Welcome to the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network, the podcast 10 for 10, which brings you the week's top 10 compliance stories curated together in one podcast each week. Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, brings you the compliance professional stories you need to be aware of at the end of your busy week. Sit back and in 10 minutes, hear about the stories every compliance professional should be aware of. Every Saturday, 10 for 10 highlights the most important news, insights, and analysis for the compliance professional, all curated by the voice of compliance, Tom Fox. Get your weekly filling of compliance stories with 10 for 10. Hosted by Tom Fox. 10 for 10 is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Stories from the week ending September 2, 2023. We had several corruption stories from this week. And we begin with a story from TVP World. And this story reported that Belgian investigators had seized 280,000 euros in cash from an apartment belonging to the son of a Belgian minister of parliament who is caught up in the Qatargate scandal involving uh, the European uh, parliament. Maria Arena, uh, whose son had his apartment searched, um, where they found the uh, extraordinarily large amount of cash on hand. There's been no explanation for this cash as yet, but when you have a lot of time, uh, or rather that much cash around, there's a reason for it. Next up, um, from the first of two stories from the Wall Street Journal, this one comes to us from the Risk and Compliance Journal, Mingi Sun reporting that Goldman Sachs has agreed to pay over $5.5 million dollars over audio recording failures during the pandemic. The civil fine imposed by the Commodities Future Trading Commission, or CFTC, is the latest settlement against Goldman relating to its record-keeping failure. Uh, The settlement alleged that Goldman failed to record and retain mobile calls made by their traders at the onset of COVID-19 in violation of record-keeping rules in a previous settlement agreement. The enforcement action has prompted debate about remote work compliance and repeated violations by multiple companies. This is obviously an ongoing issue, and it's an issue that these banks are going to have to really answer. Our next story comes to us from the New York Times. And I was interested in this story because it speaks to what businesses want and compliance officers must help to provide to businesses, which is the need for predictability. It's in the context of the current U.S. imbroglio with China and China changing the rules more quickly than they ever did before. But most importantly, they're um, making criminal the uh, obtaining of due diligence. And these changes in rules make doing business unpredictable in China because, of course, U.S. companies have to do due diligence uh, 
to safely do business under the U.S. Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and a wide variety of other laws. So business predictability is something that is definitely needed and compliance officers have to do their part to provide such predictability to senior execs and shareholders. And finally, from the Financial Times, Gary Gen- it reports Gary Gensler has unleashed the biggest SEC regulatory blitz since the financial crisis. The SEC's proposed 47 rules affecting market participants under his leadership and adopted 22 of them uh, already. Uh, most of this uh, has come, obviously, over the past couple of years. So a shout-out to Chairman Gensler for reviving the morbid uh, SEC that had been under the Trump administration. Next up is the second of three articles from the Financial Times, and this reports on the crackdown of corruption in China through the healthcare sector. Uh, this is not simply an announcement, but a story about hospital and whose doctors were called in at 6.30 a.m. for an urgent meeting where they were told that the Central Committee for Discipline Inspection would be investigating the hospital and were focusing on uh, reporting to each other and each other to authorities and conducting self-inspections and that the CCID will probably send an inspection team to the hospital within the month to decide, quote, whom to arrest, end quote. So uh, the crackdown has uh, really accelerated in China long overdue. Our final story from the Financial Times is that Switzerland has unveiled a money laundering, money laundering clampdown. Switzerland has proposed sweeping measures to clamp down on money laundering in its efforts to shed the company's reputation as a haven for ill-gotten gains. The finance minister unveiled reforms to increase transparency and close legal loopholes by requiring the ultimate beneficial owners of trusts and companies to be declared. We have our second story from the Wall Street Journal, Risk and Compliance Journal, this time Richard Vandeford and Real Fuhr reporting on the SEC FCPA settlement with 3M, which agreed to pay more than $6.5 million to settle allegations of bribery and corruption uh, payments to Chinese foreign and government officials for uh, gifts, travel, and entertainment. These were secret travel where Chinese officials were not only wined and dined, but basically it was not business travel at all, but all leisure travel. So uh, a FCPA enforcement action. Our next story comes to us from Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, which reports that imprisoned Kazakh tycoon Pariat Bornabev, whose daughter is a widow of the grandson of the former president of Kazakhstan, may be released from a detention center after agreeing to cooperate with investigators and cover the financial damage caused by his criminal enterprise. He was sentenced to eight years in prison back in March, and apparently that was enough to get him to be more lenient on cooperation. Next up, uh, just a uh, a terrible story um, uh, from Reuters that the CEO of the Hawaii Electric Company, which is alleged to have caused the massive wildfire on Maui that led to... um, 
multiple deaths, it looks like now over 100, uh, is claimed not to have been, had been incentivized to do safety and put in robust safety because he didn't have a financial incentive to do so. I can't tell you how pig-headed and wrong that is. You don't need incentives to have a robust safety program. Safety is the number one priority. And if it's not the number one priority at your company, you need to go. Um, The safe operation of equipment for employees is paramount throughout almost every industry in the United States. And um, when you run an electric company, the safety of your operations are literally life important. You only need to look at PG&E in California to see the disaster of their lack of a culture of safety. And to say that you have to incentivize CEOs to do business ethically and in compliance and safely is just completely uh, the world turned upside down. So um, I reject the principle that uh, you have to incentivize CEOs to do safety and operate business safely. I hope you have a great week. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 10 for 10. As I mentioned in prior episode, this is the one request I've received most often from podcast listeners of the Daily Compliance News to put together a summary at week's end so that every compliance professional can catch up on the news quite quickly. So I hope you will subscribe, rate, and review this new podcast edition to the Compliance Podcast Network family, 10 for 10. If you've got an idea for a podcast, I'd love to hear from you. I start many shows based upon ideas from listeners. So give me a shout. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. 10 for 10 is a proud member of the Compliance Podcast Network.